0: Welcome to the Gingsburg Podcast. After today's message, take a sec and download the Gingsburg app. It's the best way to find out about and engage with what's happening at Ginghamsburg. We hope the following message helps you activate your faith and take the next step with your journey with Jesus.
1: How's everybody doing? Great. Thanks for coming out and being part of this day. It's good to see each and every one of you. Welcome to those worshiping online. I'm Pastor Dennis. I want to begin by saying thank you for your prayers. Some of you know that right after last week of being here with you, I boarded a plane and went off to the communist country of Cuba where I've been the last week in mission and ministry. What a week. Saw a lot of things, experienced a lot of things. God moved in many ways and I look forward to sharing about that at a future date. But about 40 hours ago, I was in the old Havana section of of the city in a cafe thinking, you know, I got to get back to Gingensburg. I can get back to church. There's no place like home. I felt like Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz. (laughs) There's no place like home. There's no place like home. So there's no place. And I want to say to you, if you've been out and about and traveling or you've been away in many different ways being away, welcome home. Welcome home, welcome home. So today, we are in week four of our current teaching series, Modern Love, where we're looking at God honoring relationships through the lens of the Bible for the 21st century. Today, we're looking at the empty nest. Last week, we looked at honoring, treasuring kids. We looked at marriage a couple of weeks ago and then dating. For those who are single, we're going to deal with that next week. So stay tuned to that. I want to say to everyone, just one more plug here as we begin to echo Marcy. I want to encourage you if you're married to come out and be part of Married People Date Night. Rachel and I had a blast at that last year. We're looking forward to that this year. It's a lot of fun. And I hope that you can join us on Friday night. Go ahead and register this afternoon online. You can go to our website or you can go tomorrow, but make sure that you do that. We wanna see you there. So the empty nest. That time when the kids are gone and perhaps you're sitting at the kitchen table, you're eating a bran muffin and looking over and your partner's <laughs> drinking an Ensure. <laughs> You're saying something, wow, we never expected this. This is a sure lot different than it used to be, right? So Billy Crystal has this funny monologue in the classic movie City Slickers. It's an old movie, but there's this classic monologue about getting older where he is invited to stand before his kid's kindergarten class and talk about what he does for a living. But he hates his job. And so as he's waiting for the other dads, as they've been invited in to share, so he's listening to them, and they're, they all have these heroic jobs, like firefighter, police officer, doctor, and they're sharing all this. He's just stewing because he hates his job. He hates his life. And so when he gets up to share what he does, he just instead goes on this rant. So all the little kids are just like starry-eyed, blank faces, you know? But here's what he says. listen, it's right out of the movie. He says, value this time in your life, kids, because this time is the time of life that you still have choices. It goes by so fast. When you're a teenager, you think you can do anything and you do. Your 20s are a blur. Your 30s, you raise your family and you make a little money and you think to yourself, what happened to my 20s? 40s, you grow a little pot belly. You grow another chin. The music starts to get too loud. One of your girlfriends from high school becomes a grandmother. 50s, you have minor surgery. They call it a procedure, but it's surgery. 60s, you have major surgery. The music is still too loud, but it doesn't matter because you can't hear it anyway. Seventies, you and your wife retire to Fort Lauderdale. You start eating dinner at 2 p.m. in the afternoon. You have lunch around 10 a.m. in the morning, breakfast the night before. You spend most of your time wandering around the malls muttering to yourself, why don't the kids call? Why don't the kids call? The eighties, you will have a major stroke and you'll end up babbling to some Jamaican nurse who your wife can't stand, but you call mama. Any questions? (laughs) That's Billy Crystal. (laughs) Well, it doesn't have to be that way. Can marriage grow sweeter as the years go by? Is it really possible for love to last a lifetime? That's what we're looking at today. What I want to do today, if you have your Bibles, we are a church church focused on Jesus, the living word, but we have the written word, and I want to take you to a New Testament letter, the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, and today, instead of just highlighting a few verses here and there, I'm going to just walk you through, basically verse by verse... Starting at verse 25, we'll go to the end, and then we'll hit on verses 1 and 2 of chapter 5. So go ahead and turn there. If you have your Bible app, go ahead and look it up. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 25. But before we do that, I thought, well, why don't we hear a firsthand testimony? Can life get sweeter as the years go by? And you can see from a couple sitting right down here in the front... Lisa and Tracy, it does. And so, they're going to share. Let's hear from them.
0: 40 years ago, Trace and I started dating. Three years later, a wedding dress was on sale, so we decided to get married.
2: When it was just Lisa and me, we laughed a lot, enjoyed many OSU football games, and talked about our dreams for the future.
0: A few years later, Chelsea, then Tyler, came along. Watching them grow up and start their families has been such a
2: joy. Building our home, celebrating holidays, family traditions, these are memories we definitely cherish.
0: Our faith, too, grew with our family. It guided us, strengthened us, and became the foundation of our home. As empty nesters now, Trace and I are rediscovering each other. We're finding joy in the simple things, vacations, small groups, and just being together.
2: The transition wasn't without its challenges. The quiet house, the change in routine, it took some getting used to.
0: I felt a deep sense of loneliness initially, but through prayer and reconnecting with Trace, I found a new sense of purpose. We've learned to communicate more deeply and to share our hopes and fears. This stage of life has brought us even
2: closer. My advice to other empty nesters, cherish every moment. Rediscover the love that brought you together. Don't give
0: up, embrace this new adventure. There's so much joy yet to be discovered. Raising our kids was our life's mission. It taught us patience, strength, and unconditional love.
2: Now we're able to be somewhat spontaneous, and we are looking towards retirement in a few years. We're excited to see what God has in store for us next.
0: Through the years, I've learned more about Trace, his deeper faith,
2: and his dreams. And I've seen Lisa's endless compassion, her strength. We've had our ups and downs. That every step has brought us here together, with God at the center, we're ready for whatever comes next.
0: It's a journey of love and life together forever.
1: I'm going to invite them to stand real quick here. They didn't know I was going to do this, but I want them to do that. Thanks, guys. And thank you, guys. And the reason I want them to stand is for you to see that they're here. They're one of us that we're all in this together and connect with them outside of of this room here. But we're all in this together, serving our Lord together. So what I want to do today is walk you through Ephesians, the end of chapter 4, and use two T's just to frame the conversation. We could find many different keys to making marriage last a lifetime, but I want to use two words They both start with the letter T if you're taking notes, if that's helpful. And the first is transparency, transparency. A first key to a loving relationship that will help us go the long haul is to have transparency in our relationship. What you see is what you get. What you see is what you get. Transparency, truth telling must be maintained. Look with me now at verse 25 of chapter 4. The Apostle Paul says, so stop telling lies, let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. Transparency, truth-telling, just being real, being honest, letting go of the mask that we put up, dropping all of the outside appearance because they know us anyway, sharing our joys, but also sharing our fears, sharing our concerns. In a trust relationship, we can do that. Don't hide things from one another. I, I've heard of couples even in later years that hide things from the other. still. They, there are some couples that have secret bank accounts. I want to encourage you not to do that because it does not build trust. And then when things like that, little secrets are later found out, it erodes in the relationship. Be honest. And I know that transparency and honesty it was a little risky because you become vulnerable, but in a true loving relationship, you become vulnerable to one another where you really know the person. You're known and you be known to the other person. So many couples, they actually don't do that. They hide behind their kids. How many people of you known? don't Raise your hand now. But how many, how many couples hide behind their kids? You'll hear a mom say, no, you tell your dad this. Or you tell your mother I said this. Or some couples will go all through their kids' years and they'll focus on taking care of the kids, taking care of the kids, which they should, but they'll get so wrapped up in the focus of the kids' baseball or soccer or maybe it's a school event like um, something happening in the classroom or 4-H or something on the farm. And they'll be so wrapped up in kids' activities, but then when the kids leave, this is called the empty nest, when the birds are out of the nest, they look at each other and say, I don't know this person. Who are they? Because they've never taken the time to cultivate the relationship. They've never taken the time to build that trust They've had a surface relationship. Now, back in verse 15 of the same chapter, listen to the Apostle Paul. He says, we lovingly follow the truth at all times, speaking truly, dealing truly, living truly, and so become more and more in every way like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. That's how we are to live. So, here's a little saying that I've heard years ago that I think speaks volumes and it's this, write this down. I would rather speak the truth that hurts, than heals, than to speak falsehood that comforts, but eventually kills. Now think about that. There are some areas that we don't want to approach. But if we're looking for true healing, there are some things we speak the truth that may hurt for a moment, but ultimately brings freedom, ultimately brings healing, Right? than to speak falsehood, a little white lies that comforts in the moment, or we think it does, but eventually it erodes the relationship. So the Apostle Paul is saying here, just be honest. Just be real. Build that trust. He goes on in verse 26, 27. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun down while you are still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. So, some of us have heard that little phrase all of our lives. We didn't know it was in the Bible. Yeah, it is. Don't let the sun go down on your anger, meaning bring things to resolve. Don't give the devil a foothold for anger, or bitterness, or resentment to grow, because what happens is if you stockpile anger, if you let it stew and brew, if you push it down, if you suppress it, if there's something bitterness that's bugging you, finally, you're just gonna spill over. You're gonna explode. Have you ever been in a situation where all of a sudden it just started pouring out over something very small? Well, it really wasn't a reaction to that small incident. It was something that was stewing and brewing. And so what he's saying here in a relationship is, deal with it. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Some people even have the practice before they go to bed at night. They make sure all is right with the world. All is right with God, but also with their spouse. Don't stockpile anger. Talk about it. You know what number one complaint is for many wives today in counseling? Is it that their spouse doesn't communicate? Especially men, uh, after a long period of time, they just don't talk. Now, Now, some do. But, but many don't. They, they just hold it all inside. Now, what those uh, wives will often say, now, it's changed because when we were dating, we would talk. He would express his feelings. He would share about his fears. He would share about his concerns in life. But now, after so many years, all he does is grunt around the house. He only grunts when he wants sex or food or the remote control, you know? Men, I want to say, open up. It can change your relationship. I've heard it once say, if men were more self-starters, women wouldn't have to be cranks. (laughs) That was a bad joke. Come on now. (laughs) Forgive me. I didn't tell any of these jokes in Cuba. You know, I just took to the Scripture. I didn't preach this in Cuba. But uh, I'm home here with friends, right? I'm like the dad with the bad jokes until Fitz is preaching. And then they're, they're, they're funnier. Sorry, that was a bad one, Fitz. You, uh, you can get me back one time, <laughs> right? So I want to encourage you to be transparent. If love is going to last a lifetime, there just has to be some honesty where you're in a relationship that you have built trust over the years. Rachel and I are closer as a couple after 30 years we were we were married. Why? Because we have history together. We have a life of, of three decades together. You know, she can read my mail, so to speak. I think she knows more about me than I know about me, you know? Uh, be transparent. That's the first key. Number two, another T, tenderness, tenderness. Look at the next verse here. We'll go to verse 29. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Now, when you hear that phrase, foul and abusive language, what do you think about? Well, you think about profanity, right? But you also think about quick-witted sarcasm, you know, if you're in a relationship where you're always putting down your spouse, have you ever been around an older couple or even a younger couple where they're always kind of picking on each other and one doesn't appreciate it that much, and those things start to hurt, those barbs that are being thrown in there through little sarcasm, she does this or the old lady does that or the old man does that or whatever, you know, that hurts over time. He says, Don't do that. Only speak what is good and what builds up and what is helpful, what is encouraging for those to hear. Basically, another translation let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is good for to be built up, to build up the other person. Where they feel affirmed. And, And then verse 30 and do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. So when we become a Christ follower, we receive the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Jesus, the Scripture says, as a seal and a deposit upon our lives. So we are little Christ. That's what Christian means. We are We are ambassadors of the good news. And if we are ambassadors of the good news, then we're not just ambassadors to the world, we're ambassadors at home. We're ambassadors, and it's harder at home, isn't it? To our children. We are ambassadors to our spouses as well. We represent Christ. I I preached down in Cuba last week, but I didn't do a lot of preaching. We were preaching the gospel at all times, but we rarely use words. We were, I was there on a humanitarian visa. We were working with the poorest of the poor. We were feeding the poor. We were visiting a, a communist um, uh, government nursing home. We were uh, serving lunch to elderly and also to uh, maternity ward with with um, mothers, teenage mothers we, we were, who were um, under nursing care. We were, we were doing acts of kindness that opened the door because love opens the door. We were representing Jesus to the least of these. And then verses 31 and 32, these seem very simple, but they're very complex, very hard in a relationship at home. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other. And here's this word, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Forgiveness is the key to a loving relationship. Many people are waiting for a spouse or even a sister or brother or friend or mom or dad to say they're sorry. And those relationships never move. They're estranged because each party is looking for the other person. I wanna encourage you as a believer to take the step of faith and offer forgiveness and be forgiven. Because that is the road to healing. And that's what the apostle. Get rid of all these other things. Don't let those even small things grow. And they can. So Paul Harvey, who was a very popular commentator of the last generation, told a story years ago about a couple in their 90s of age who had been married for 75 years. Do we have anybody in this room 75 years of marriage? Wow, I don't see anyone yet. You tell me afterwards, perhaps there are those online, one or two, 75 years. And then Harvey said they got a divorce. (laughs) Yeah. And so they interviewed him, like, why? If you're in your 90s, you've been married 75 years, why in the world do you got, you know what the reason was? They said, well, we decided to wait till our children died and then we got a divorce. (laughs) Wow. They were staying together for the kids. Stories like that are sad, but true. That's not what God wants for us. Now, we know that life happens. And I know that preaching this series, and I've preached every one so far. I've preached the last four weeks. It's a little risky because it's easy, I know, for some to think, well, I get what you're saying, pastor, but I want you to live in the real world. It's been a little pie in the sky and that you don't understand the pain that I've been through And I want to say you're correct. I do not understand the pain that you've been through. And that's why I said last week that God writes straight using crooked lines. Whatever the journey or the path that was unexpected and the hurts that you have had, the good news is that God is a healing God, amen? And that God can start today. And that's the good news. I want you to hear that. No matter the pain of your past, That God makes all things new in Christ. That today is the day of salvation. Now is the appointed time. And that is the message of Gingensburg Church. That is the message of the New Testament. And that is the message that we present today. I don't understand what you're going through. But let me say that you don't always understand all that we're going through as well. As staff and preachers. And although that your pain is not my pain, that we've had our own stories. We've had our own pain. And so I don't want you to think or anyone to think that this is just pie in the sky, out-of-touch reality. No, all of us are making decisions daily. And Rachel and I decided we were going to share a little bit about our story today, real quick here, something that you don't know. And just to say that we understand these things happen So Rachel's parents, Bob and Joanne, were married for 48 years. 48 years. Um, 17 years ago, they decided on their 48th wedding year to get a divorce. no, No other person was involved. There was no scandal or anything like that. They just decided they didn't want to be together anymore after 48 years now still today so they would be married if they were married 65 years they're still living they still go to church together they still go out to eat together Rachel's mom took Rachel's dad to the doctors just the other day they still do life together but then they go to their own separate houses (laughs) all because they allowed these little things to grow and to simmer and to little feelings and all. And so pray for them as we do. We've been praying for 17 years and God is working in our family. God is working in our life. But what I'm saying is that marriages just don't happen. You've got to work at it. You can't take anything for granted, folks. What you did back 20 years ago was cool, but but God is doing something and you need to be active in your marriage, to work on your marriage. All of us have stories, but today is the day that we make a choice. I choose, Rachel, I choose to be married today. I I make that choice under God that I made that promise long ago. Uh, I heard of an elderly couple they were sitting on a couch and they were watching kind of a romantic movie of a, a younger couple and the couple, they were kissing one another and, you know, all that mushy stuff and kissing up on her neck and, and everything. I'm not going to get too more visual here, just don't <laughs> worry. And uh, so the, the elderly wife looked at her husband of many years and kind of looked over in a little disgust say is, why don't you nibble on my ear like you used to? And immediately he got up. He walked in the kitchen. She said, where are you going? He said, well, I'm going to get my teeth. (laughs) I want to encourage you to keep nibbling. Keep romancing. Make a decision to act. To be active in your marriage. Then the Apostle Paul goes on to say, he flips the page to the next chapter, verses 1 and 2 of Ephesians 5. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. And that's how we should love God. One another, we see a God who loves unconditionally, and we are reminded that that's how we are to love those around us. And so, I love to see a restored relationship absolutely, but I also love to see because I can learn from it an elderly couple have been married for many years and they're holding hands on the beach. Isn't that awesome? or maybe they're walking in the park or they're coming out of the theater and they're holding hands together. And I'm just curious because we have a few couples like that in the church. If you've been married for 50 years or more, would you stand just for a moment? We wanna praise God for you today. Would you stand so we can praise God for you? Thank you. We'll talk to them on how to make marriage last a lifetime and even survive the emptiness. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your love that never ends. We thank you for your love in Christ today, fully demonstrated to us on the cross of Jesus. We lift up every single person in this room. We also lift up every marriage in this room. We pray that you would stamp those two T's upon their hearts today, that you would help us to be more transparent and more tender and to treasure one another more than we do. And Father, we know that when we do that, the world gets a picture of how much you love us. So may the marriages in this place be blessed and to grow as we focus our whole lives in Jesus Christ, our Lord. We pray this in his name, amen.
0: I hope you enjoyed today's message. I've got two invitations for you before you go. First, subscribe to our podcast so it shows up in your feed every week. And if today's message inspired you and you would like more people to hear it, you can give a financial gift through the Gingosburg app or online at gingamsburg.org.